This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Save 10% on any new subscription at trylootcrate.com forward slash AFBlues. Enter promo code BREACH10 for 10% savings. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues Podcast, episode number 285, for the week of Wednesday, the 9th of August, 2017. I'm Scott, and this episode is brought to you by Loot Crate and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our toys of the week are the Sideshow Collectibles Green Goblin Premium Format Statue, the SH Figure Arts Perfect Cell Premium Color Edition, and the Funko Rick and Morty Action Figures. Hey everybody, Scotty here. It's one of those weeks where we weren't able to get everyone together at the same time, and so we have a compilation of Toys of the Week for you from Ben, Adam, and Eddie in that order. Uh, But first off tonight, we're going to kick off with a bit of audio that our listener Peter sent in, and you might remember Peter from Canada as having done a listener's pick previously on the show. Uh, He sent in this little collecting story, which I think that we can all kind of enjoy and identify with. So we're going to hand over to Peter before we start off our reviews tonight. Enjoy! Greetings, Action Figure Blues fans. This is Peter from Canada once again. Um, I don't have a toy review really for you, but I just wanted to share a story that happened to me today um, in my toy hunting pursuits because I told my wife and she really didn't care. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to share this story with people who would understand how incredibly awesome this was. Um, So I was at the dollar store buying a coloring book for my uh, almost three-year-old son now, uh, and whenever I'm at the dollar store, I spin down the down the toy aisle that they have because sometimes um, our dollaramas will liquidate some like actual toy lines uh, th- through their through their stores. And I turned the corner and looked down, and I saw the Mattel uh, Peter Venkman figure from Ghostbusters, the the classic release that they did alongside the uh, the newer movie. And it looked like the pegs were just stuffed with Peter Venkman, which is what normally happens. Usually it's just the peg warmers that were left over from some other store. Um, so I thought, hey, cool, Peter Venkman figure, I'll pick that up. And I grabbed it off the shelf, and behind it was Ray Stance. And I thought, oh, cool, I'll pick up Ray too. And I grabbed that, and there's. I just thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll just take a look, see if there's anybody else here. And I looked back behind a few pegs, and there was Egon. Well, well, there's the big three. There's no way that there's going to be Winston. And I looked down, and there was Winston. So I picked up all four of the Ghostbusters from that line um, for $4 each. $4 each! All four of them were there. That never happens. Um, So I got them home, cracked them open. uh, And for $4, I'd say it was quite the bargain. The head sculpts are pretty good. Hit and miss the, the... uh, Winston Zedmore one, I have to say, looks dead ringer for Ernie Hudson. It's amazing. Um, the Ray stance, I'd have to say, is the furthest away from looking anything like Dan Aykroyd. But, you know, for $4, who who can complain? Um, the belt gizmos are there. Uh, they've got their, their hoses. Now, uh, for the original release, the hoses were yellow, which is more accurate to the original movie, if you're paying attention to details. Um, but for for this one, it's it's clear, um, which is accurate to Ghostbusters 2. Um, looking at the proton packs, there's 
all sorts of paint detail on here. Uh, the ribbon cable is painted all sorts of different colors. There's red wiring all over it. They even have um, some of the warning decals painted on. Um, and there's a gold spot. There's silver. Um, now the, the knob on the on the back of their proton packs is painted gray, which means that it's a, um, a first movie, Ghostbusters 1, uh, proton pack. However, the thrower wands are mounted at an angle, which means it's Ghostbusters 2 again. So they're a little bit um, mixed and matched here in terms of, of <laughs> continuity with the movies, but for $4, I, I, I really can't complain. So I picked them all up, um, and the Build-A-Figure that came with it was a three-dimensional glow-in-the-dark no-ghost logo, which is just really, really cool. Anyway, I wanted to share that, that story with you. Uh, keep the faith. It does happen. Miracles do happen in toy hunting. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been looking for this line because uh, I missed it initially, and I didn't want to pay secondary prices, so I played played the long game on this and it paid off in spades. So I just wanted to share that awesome story with you. I'm so happy tonight. These are awesome. Thanks. Bye. Spider-Man's getting ready to rumble. Oh no, it's Doc Ock, Venom, and the Green Goblin. Fantastic action coming up. Take that, Green Goblin. Bam! Must get out of Venom's trap. Thwack! Time to get out of here. Catch you later, Doc Ock. Brand new Spider-Man action figures, out now. Greetings, valued listeners. Ben, a.k.a. Fish Milkshake here, coming at you with another Action Figure Blues Toy of the Week review. And for this episode, I'm taking a look at something I've had for quite some time, just haven't gotten around to it, but it is one that I am thrilled to have in my collection. It is the Green Goblin from Sideshow Collectibles. Now, this was a December 2016 release. I think mine shipped very early in the new year, January 2017. Uh, this is a premium format statue. It is not the first by Sideshow. One of their very earliest pieces was the Green Goblin. Uh, this is a reimagining and a bit of an update. Now, it's a big piece, standing at 23 inches tall, or 58.5 centimetres, and in theory is mixed media, but uh, yeah, that's only because of a, a little extra that you get. All right, now this guy will set you back US $520, a lot more than some of the premium format statues at the time that we ordered, but I think the level of detail in this is almost pretty, uh, yeah, it's kind of justified. All right, in terms of packaging, uh, I don't get a lot of thrill out of art boxes. Uh, they are what they are, and you don't tend to look at them for long. However, this one is an absolute beauty. Uh, I think what they've done here is uh, something really, really nice, and it's something I think I'd like to see on pretty much all the boxes, uh, and that is reference art. Now, some of the statues we get just have a pretty basic box with some images of the statue within, and that's great. Everyone wants to know what they're getting. But what they've done here is taken some beautiful art from the Green Goblin's past. So we get some stuff from Ditko. We get some stuff from Ramita Senior. And uh, it works really, really well. And so they've covered the box in that artwork and then superimposed the new statue over the top and to, to really good effect. So I don't generally uh, spend a lot of time talking about the art box, but I think this is one of the better ones that Sideshow has done. So uh, usual sort of thing, you get your split styrofoam box inside, carefully cut the tape along the seam. Uh, Sideshow's still put their logo on the top so you know up from down which I think is a great thing and when you get that sucker open you're presented with uh, quite a few pieces a little bit of assembly that is required but it's all fairly straightforward so the first thing of course is you take out the base 
and the base is huge, one of the biggest bases I've seen for quite some time. And I think a lot of that is down to the art direction, and a decision was made to incorporate the glider uh, in rather a, a clever way. And when this piece was first announced, a lot of people uh, poo-pooed it a little bit on the internet. Yes, I know, shock horror. Uh, and that was the decision uh, to use the, bar, the glider as part of the piece. And I think, you know, when you've got something that is so inherent to the character uh, and something so fun, how can you not use it? And what they've done is fantastic. So we've got the goblin glider and the exhaust smoke coming out the, obviously, the tail end of that glider. And what it's done is form a huge cloud of smoke, which essentially forms the base for this piece. So quite broad at the bottom and then tapering up uh, until it actually connects with the glider. The glider is on quite an angle. It's uh, re- I haven't actually measured it, but for the rest of this review, I'm just going to say it's on a 45 degree angle. Uh, again, that contributes to the real sort of dynamic presence of the piece. And so we've got this huge billowing smoke tapering up to the glider, uh, and it looks fantastic. It's uh, It looks just like smoke would, I guess. Not that I know what the exhaust emissions of a goblin glider look like, but I guess if I did, it would look something like this. Uh, interestingly, they've made a choice to add kind of a, a, a generic disc to the bottom. And, and when I say disc, it's actually uh, it's, it's a hex. Uh, and it's, it's kind of odd, really, because it sits underneath and it kind of, I don't know, it takes you out of the piece a, a little bit. Uh, I'm not quite sure why they wouldn't actually use the cloud itself as the complete base and just sort of work in some rubber bumpers or something underneath, just sort of make it easier to sit on a flat surface. Um, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of an odd choice. I, th- I think some of these things, for me, it does take you out a little bit. Um, but I guess after a while, you don't tend to really notice. So as I mentioned, the Goblin Glider is uh, very present in this piece, and it comes already attached to the base. So you've got the main body of the glider and one of the wings. Uh, the smoke connects to the back of the glider and also the wing that's already there is attached to the, the smoke as well. So you'll find that the second wing, the one that's actually pointing upwards, uh, is a separate piece that comes out and inserts into the body of the glider with a peg. And that went in really well for me. Also, the head of the glider, that's kind of V, um, almost sort of goblin looking thing. Uh, is a separate piece and that just slots in nicely as well. So those two pieces complete the base. You've got the glider and the smoke happening. So next up is uh, Normie himself. I'm going to say that this is a Norman Osborn Green Goblin. Uh, we take him out and yeah, he's a little bit of a delicate piece. There's a quite a, a dynamic pose going on here. He's squatting down on the glider because he um, because it is on a 45 degree angle. The legs are actually reflected um, for him to sit on the glider. So between the legs on some awkward angles and his two arms up in the air, uh, he's actually quite, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to him. So uh, single foot peg in the right leg, that's the lower leg on the glider, that actually slots into the glider on an angle, uh, which is unusual. Most foot pegs t- tend to sort of go in at a 90 degree angle to the base that sort of adds for more stability. This one does go down at almost a 90 degree angle, but it's kind of going in to the glider on on an angle. That top foot, the left foot, just sort of sits against um, the glider base and and does so pretty easily. So no problems for me. Uh, Hooray, hooray. And uh, the next thing is the mixed media. So the goblin comes with his trusty satchel and uh, that's the kind of the mixed media component. And so it's a bit of a faux leather thing with a a leather um, uh, shoulder strap held on by a couple of metal rings. 
Uh, this is where things actually get kind of interesting. Um, I had a lot of trouble getting the satchel on. Uh, you take the bag and you hold it by the shoulder strap. You put it over his right arm and then it actually goes over his neck and hangs over the left shoulder, but then around on the right side of his waist. Now, you think that would be fairly straightforward. But the goblin, because this is a classic costume, he has uh, a bit of tattered clothing going on around the, the neck and in the shirt. Uh, and that's made of a, a flexible rubber material, which I think was a, a really, really good choice. Otherwise, it would be horrendously uh, brittle. And I just could not get the strap of the, the satchel to go around these pieces and then pull in underneath it. And I thought maybe that I was just having a, a Dummkopf moment. So uh, you do what you always do. You jump on the Internet, have a bit of a look. And uh, I noticed a couple of people were having the same kinds of struggles that I was. So I went to the Sideshow website and they have an assembly video and they make it look really straightforward. But I just simply could not, um, I could not do ex what they were doing in the video. So I persevered and at one stage I thought I was actually going to break one of the little D-rings. I was pulling on the shoulder strap so tightly. But eventually I managed to just get it over the end of um, that sort of ragged clothing and then slip it underneath. So when you do get it on, it actually hangs quite nicely uh, by his right hip. Last to go on is the head as a separate piece. Magnet is nice and strong. That snapped in really well for me and no concerns about it um, falling down. Now in terms of the sculpt, this is just exquisite. I think the art direction is, is absolutely amazing. They've done uh, an outstanding job. The the presence of this piece is just fantastic. Uh, I think they did make it to complement the Amazing Spider-Man piece that came out uh, shortly after. So we've got the Goblin in action, obviously, on his glider. He's got a pumpkin bomb in his hand, which is obviously in uh, the, the midst of throwing or getting ready to throw. The Spider-Man piece has, of course, Spidey leaping off uh, a collapsing sort of steel girder that's obviously been blown up because there's flames on the base. So um, they go really quite well together. So the uh, the goblin has the evil look on his face. Um, he's certainly uh, looking pretty hideous in this. We've got the classic sort of scaled armoury type appearance of the green part of his costume. There's some fantastic drapery uh, in the purple parts, particularly the, the sort of shirt that goes over the top of the green. Uh, bodysuit, some really, really nice work here. He's got his classic purple shorts, so they haven't sort of skimped out on that, that classic feel. We've got the pirate boots with the fold-over tops on them. Uh, some really, really nice stuff. There is a few little modern tweaks here and there, in particular some straps on the gloves, which obviously weren't present in those classic issues of Amazing Spider-Man. And also uh, an interesting one, and one that was very polarising uh, amongst fandom, and that was some goggles perched on top of his forehead. So this is the goblin obviously wearing his goblin mask with the uh, the purple hat uh, with the, quite the long tail on the back. So that's nice. But then he's got sort of the goggles sitting on top of his head. Now, that's a really bizarre choice uh, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not sure what they were going for in the art direction because the mask itself is a mask. So you'd have to wonder if you were a human wearing this goblin mask, why you would then need goggles to go over the top. Um, the goggles are sort of nicely done and they're painted in gold, but I can't actually imagine him sort of sliding those goggles down over the mask. It's a bit of a, an odd choice, um, whether they're kind of implying that the mask is Norman himself and that he has to wear the goggles. I, I don't know. It's, it's a strange, strange choice. So, but anyway, I'm going to move along. I think the goblin glider is fantastic. A lot of different interpretations of that. There's some really cool little turbines. 
underneath that look like they're doing what they need to. It's very sleek in its appearance and, uh, you know, it looks big enough to actually support the, the weight of a person if it was a real thing. So really quite impressed. I think the smoke is actually quite good too. I mentioned earlier that I'm not sure what it would look like, but, you know, it's nice and puffy. It's beautifully sculpted. It's actually got a bit of a rough texture here and there. There's lots of little sort of gritty pieces in it. So um, overall, the art direction is just exquisite. Really, really impressed on, on how they've incorporated the glider. They've got that really cool angle thing happening. And then obviously the goblin himself is just uh, amazing the way he's posed. So very, very impressed with that. Um, Will Harbottle uh, is actually... No, no, I take that back. It's actually Nathan Mansfield sculpt at this point. So apologies, Nathan. And uh, moving on to paint. Um, yeah, look, I think... You know, there's really not a lot going on here in the scheme of things. You've got, uh, obviously, the, the purple and green, those classic goblin colours. So, for the goblin himself, really the only exceptions to those two colours are the pumpkin bomb in his hand, uh, a little bit on the straps that are around his um, wrists and forearms. And then, of course, the paint uh, on the face is where all the detail comes in. We've got quite a few things going on, obviously, with the open mouth there and the eyes have a sort of a yellow uh, appearance and then the gold of the goggles. All beautifully done, all great choices, uh, really quite impressed. Uh, the silver or the metallic of the glider is is great. Um, it, it's nicely done and it's beautifully applied. Um, it, there's almost kind of an oily, smoky appearance to it, so I'd say there's a bit of highlighting going on, a bit of a wash to go in those grooves. But I think what's kind of missing... Look, I could give them a pass and say that, you know, maybe this is Norman taking his goblin glider out for its first flight, and so it's brand spanking new and out of the box, but it doesn't kind of have that, that weathered, sort of battle-worn uh, appearance that I, I think I would have liked to see for this. Um, the clouds are actually well done. Obviously, the, the exhaust smoke, should I say, rather than cloud, the exhaust cloud uh, is done in white, and it's actually highlighted with some oranges, yellows, browns. Uh, and they've done a really good job here because um, it's not all one colour. It's heaviest as it's coming out the back of the glider. That's where the sort of the rich yellows and, uh, and oranges are. And then it sort of tapers down to the white. But then the white actually has some nice highlighting uh, where the, the sort of um, billowing pieces meet each other. There's some subtle sort of greys and things going on to, to sort of, I guess, separate those out and give it a bit of depth and appearance. So uh, in terms of application, I think this is one of the best that side show have done there really is uh, i have no complaints it really is beautifully done there's probably not a lot of room for error the way that the piece is assembled so there's not a lot of scope for i guess slot between you know matching colors etc it's it's all fairly sort of straightforward even where the green um under um undershirt sort of meets the purple gloves it's all really well done but i guess what you want here is the face um, you really want the detail there and it is perfect absolutely spot on they've nailed all the colors here the mouth is really well done the pink of the tongue etc the sort of um, bone colored teeth all really well done the choice of the brown satchel uh, is quite good that's obviously the faux leather the little sort of metal d-rings um, that hold the shoulder strap on uh, have a great sort of appearance so look I keep saying it's fantastic it's well done it's gorgeous uh, I'll move on articulation obviously none accessories none you know oh, geez I, I just keep ranting about this piece again and again and I'm finding it really hard to fault uh, I think other than the difficulty I had with the satchel and the fact that those goggles annoy me a little bit 
Um, they're probably, yeah, they're probably little niggles. Uh, every now and then I kind of forget that the goggles are there and I just look at, you know, just how beautiful this piece is. And then I notice the goggles and they annoy me and then I go back. So I see it's all back and forth and I've obviously forgotten about the satchel until this review. So it, it's really a hard one. I think this truly is one of the best pieces that Sideshow has done in some time. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm going to forgive them on the satchel. I think the goggles, um, you know, I, I knew they were there when I ordered it. Uh, it was my choice to do that. So uh, I really, geez, uh, I'm struggling to take anything away. So I'm not going to. I'm going to give this guy a 10 out of 10 dollies. All right. Well, thanks very much for listening. Catch you next time. Stay safe and happy birthday to the beautiful Mrs. Shake who makes this all possible. Thank you. Love you. Catch you next time. If your collecting addiction is a hard itch to scratch, then you might lack a bit of insurance that you always have some new goodies on the horizon. Loot Crate is the world's favorite subscription box service, and they're currently offering AFB listeners 10% off any of their flexible subscription plans. Every Loot Crate includes exclusive apparel and collectible items built around a theme, and there are so many theme crates to choose from, whether you're into a more general pop culture or gaming theme, or you have a more specific interest. To save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues and enter the promo code BREACH10. If you do sign up and you love your loot, be sure to go to the AFB Facebook page and post a pic of your new gear. That's trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues with the promo code BREACH10. Uh, this time I have a new SH Figure Arts Dragon Ball Z figure to talk to you about, and that is the Perfect Cell Premium Color Edition. Now, for those of you that are ongoing listeners, you'll know that there was a Perfect Cell, not Premium Color Edition, um, and that I have reviewed this in the past. So this is the new the new figure from Bandai. Uh, it was released earlier in 2017, and I acquired mine in 2017. It is basically a one-for-one repro of the original, but with different colours. Now, the different colours are meant to be more anime-like, as opposed to the original, uh, which is more the the manga colours from the either covers of manga pages or um, from the odd issue that actually was originally coloured, which is a thing that happens with manga. Um... So, yes, it's an action figure. Um, the price is about $60 US, which is basically the same as the original. The box this comes in is fairly standard for a figure art, particularly for Dragon Ball Z one. It has posing on the back. Um, on the back of this one, they show him posing with the battle-damaged Super Saiyan Gohan, um, which is a little bit different from the original. Um... Other than that, it's basically the same. This is a really big box. It was the first time around, and that has not changed. So you open the box up. There are um, essentially two trays. The first one has the the main figure, hands, swap outs, etc. The second tray stacks under the first one and has the Kamehameha blast effect, um, which itself is fractionally different from the original. So, in terms of sculpt, yep, it looks like it is exactly the same sculpt. So, the cell sculpt is quite different from um, many other figures. So, there's a lot of what would have been at the time custom little bits and pieces. There's not going to be a lot of buck reuse for anyone else. Uh, So, it's good for them that they manage to get some reuse out of it. So, he's got lots and lots of articulation. 
It's all really quite wonderful and it's still a very good looking figure. It stands up pretty well in terms of balancing, um, posing, it's all very good. Um, the wings on Cell's back are articulated, which is quite good. I like those a lot. Um, in terms of accessories and swap outs, you know, you get, um, he comes equipped by default with two punchy hands. He has uh, two Kamehameha hands. He has uh, kind of two fingers flayed key glass hands. He has uh, a grapple hand and he has another one, which is um, knuckles clenched gripping hand. I'm trying to think if that's actually a move and it possibly is. If it is, it's probably a, a piccolo move. Um, in terms of others, you get three portraits total. The default is a, a very neutral face. There's a smirking face and there's a shouting face, which will be for, you know, shouting while punching, shouting while blocking, shouting while throwing a key effect. Um, and he also has the swap out folded arms. Um, not all of the Dragon Ball Z figures have come with that. It's mainly, you know, there's a few characters that like to stand around with their arms folded. Cell's one of them. Uh, Vegeta is one of them. And Piccolo is one of them. I can't remember if Freezer came with folded arms. He probably didn't. Um, but the f I think except for the first Vegeta, we haven't had, we didn't get folded arms with those characters. The rest have all had folded arms. So those, you basically pull the arms off um, the main figure at the bicep and swap these bad boys on. It can be a little bit painful in terms of getting things to line up properly, but once you do, it's a rewarding and satisfying feel if you want to have a figure standing around with crossed arms. Um, in terms of the paints on this character, so where the original is a lighter, kind of almost olivey, browny green colour, this is a much richer green. Um, it's much more fluoro in places. The um, the divots in Cell's skin, I guess kind of dimpling, um, which is all over him, is done in darker green than the rest of his body. On the original, that was um, really kind of almost black from memory. Other than that, it's pretty similar. His feet go from being uh, a kind of an orangey-brown to kind of a, a more pale yellowy-brown colour, which is kind of fine. That's what he looked like in the show. Um, I said before that the Kamehameha effect was slightly different, and it is. It's um, still an absolute bastard to get out of the packaging in terms of the main beam attack. Um, but then the actual colours on the key attack, and I think maybe even the base a little bit different. So the key attack is kind of a, a deeper blue where it is blue, um, and kind of a yellowy transparent part in other places. Now comparing that to the original, which was kind of a, a whitish blue throughout with darker patches of blue, it's a bit different. Um, it's kind of nice that it is a bit different, so you could actually have it as two separate characters throwing their own particular spin on a Kamehameha at each other, if you have both of them. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm not overly fussed that it's a slightly different colour. Um, so yeah, look, I think this is a fantastic 
figure. I loved it the first time. I love it a little bit less this time because it's one I already have. Um, in terms of which I prefer, I prefer the original mainly because I like that colouring a little bit more um, than this one. I think it kind of fits in a little bit better with some of the other duller colours um, that that are around the place in most of the fight cell has. Um, I also kind of like the the manga colours a little bit better in general. Um, I really like that they didn't skimp on um, reproducing the Kamehameha part. Um, I like that it's the same price as the original, so it's, um, it's not going to cost you more to get one or the other. Uh, and I think generally the the thing that um, that stands up for me is just that they actually went through and, and did this again with updated colours for people that want both. Uh, in terms of an overall rating look, I drop it kind of two or three points, um, probably two points, I think, because one, it's a it's a figure I already have. I'm happy to have it again, um, but it's really just the same figure with different colours. Um, and, you know, I think it's great that it's the same price as the original, but at the same time as someone that already has it, it's a little bit annoying that, you know, the, the price is exactly the same considering it's largely reused. Uh, so overall, I think I give this figure an 8 out of 10. Thanks. If you like listening to podcasts, then there's a good chance you'd enjoy audiobooks as well. To make it easy for you, our sponsor, Audible, is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. A book I'd like to recommend is X Heroes by author Peter Kleins. X Heroes is the first book in a series about a group of superheroes trying to survive and protect what's left of humanity in the wake of a zombie apocalypse. It's a genre-bending story that has something for fans of comic books, superhero films, and the whole zombie phenomenon. To get your copy of X Heroes for free and start your 30-day trial, or find another book to start your Audible journey, go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. Hi guys, it's Eddie here, coming at you with a Toy of the Week. And apologies, it has been a while since I've uh, done a toy review, so it may be a little bit rusty. Uh, But what do I have for you this week? This week, like pretty much everyone else on the internet, I am going to be talking about Rick and Morty. So I picked up a few weeks ago... The Funko 6-inch action figures of uh, both the titular characters of Rick and Morty. There is a whole wave of action figures based on the TV show. Uh, So you have uh, the two I'll be talking about, Rick and Morty. You also have Mr. Poopy Butthole, Birdman and a Mr. Me6, and they all come with Build-A-Figure pieces, so you can make a Snowball, the Cyborg Dog. Uh, I'm yet to pick up the other ones. I am still a little bit up in the air about if I will. We'll get to that in uh, my review. Uh, But as a huge fan of the show, I could not resist uh, owning both a Rick and Morty figure. In fact, I think if you go back... Almost a year ago now, you'll hear me uh, pleading with someone to make uh, Rick and Morty action figures on this very podcast. 
Uh, so they are made by Funko. They probably would have been under what uh, used to be known as the Funko Legacy style of figures. So uh, we're not talking about pops or daubs. These are actual figures designed to look like the characters and have articulation. And if you have listened to past episodes where we have talked about Funko Legacy figures... Uh, Quality can be spotty. It's not always a bad thing, but uh, there have been issues, particularly uh, with plastic quality in the past, and uh, I'm going to get into that a little bit here. They don't come in a sort of collector-friendly box like other Funko Legacy figures have come in. These ones did come on blister cards, uh, very much that green scientific electricity slime <laughs> colours of the Rick and Morty font are used heavily here on the box and on the back it does show you the other figures uh, that you are able to collect so fairly basic there. Uh, now the figures themselves uh, while they would be in the six inch range uh, technically on a lot of things uh, you are looking more around uh, the under six uh, inch size, probably very comparable to Playmates World of Simpsons in, you know how that sort of six inch cartoon, they generally size up to be a little bit smaller. Uh, articulation wise, uh, they're almost identical. Uh, so Rick, who, for those of you who don't know, he is the older scientist character. These characters, uh, for those of you who don't know, and living under a rock if you don't <laughs> are based heavily on uh, Doc and Marty from Back to the Future so Rick would be the Doc Brown S character so he uh, has uh, ankles that have twist swivels uh, he's got knee articulation uh, he's got ball joints in the hips, uh, ball jointed shoulders, he has elbow articulation, uh, swivels at the wrist. Uh, Morty has the exact same, the only point that they vary on is uh, that Rick has a ball jointed head, whereas Morty has a swivel uh, joint on the head. Uh, now, I talked about uh, Funko Legacy being a bit iffy. Uh, I really don't like the ball-socketed hips. Uh, they don't feel strong at all. Uh, my Rick's left leg is fairly loose, and I actually really worry about uh, my Morty. One, uh, they kind of have that T-crotch uh, design going, and the way that Morty's actually sits... It's with a huge gap towards the front of the figure, so it, it's really prominent that it's an articulation point. Uh, but it's actually kind of weird to move it, and I am a bit worried about plastic strength and quality. And I actually thought he had uh, hips that were misaligned or uh, mis... Uh, assembled in the factory. Turns out this is how they actually are meant to be, but it does cause a little bit of concern and weirdness when you're actually trying to pose his 
uh, legs around, and I kind of don't want to do it too much because I don't really trust uh, the peg joint on the inside of it there, whether I'm actually bending or twisting that at all. So that is a uh, little bit of the aim. Now, the actual ball sockets uh, in the shoulders are perfectly fine. I get a lot of great uh, movement, and the swivel joints in both the uh, ankles and the wrist are perfectly fine as well. Uh, when it comes to paint articulation, though, it's uh, spotty. Uh, so, Morty actually really doesn't have too much paint articulation. He basically only has it on his eyebrows and his eyes. Now, unfortunately, one of my eyes uh, has really bled out. It doesn't stand out too much when you're looking at him from a distance, but up close you really do notice that he has these <laughs> rings of extra white paint around his eyes. Uh, Rick, on the other hand, uh, looks really good for the most part, and it's only when you start looking at him closely in areas such as his uh, got a painted on belt buckle and his unibrow that you notice a uh, little bit of bleeding going on there. Now, one thing that people unfamiliar with the show might think is a mistake, but it's not, is that their pupils are just weird splotches of paint. They're not uh, circles. Uh, this is an actual detail from the show. They don't have perfectly round pupils, so uh, having the splotch mark uh, eyes is an actual accurate uh, detail. In terms of accessories, Morty comes with a ray gun that actually has a ton of different paint applications. Uh, we've got sort of a metallic silver, a turquoise blue, a dark blue, uh, some orange, some gold, some red and green lights. It's actually fairly well painted. It's probably the most painted piece in the whole collection. Now, I haven't had a chance to go back and watch through some clips or that there. So I don't know if this gun is from a particular episode. Um, looking at the other accessories that come with characters and that I assume it might be, but I can't say 100%. Uh, but uh, he does uh, have a ray gun there to use. Uh, Rick comes with his uh, portal gun which uh, only has uh, sort of a neon green for both the uh, cylinder tube and uh, the actual barrel and a grey button so I kind of given that this is such a featured prop in the show I wish they had done the amount of paint applications that they'd done on Morty's ray gun uh, for Rick's portal gun here but uh, I am glad they included it wouldn't be Rick without it uh, and also he comes with a little alcohol uh, flask to uh, get his drink on here so that's uh, that is a really nice uh, touch there uh, now, one point where extra bits haven't really worked is uh, they do have hair, extra hair pieces that are glued down. Uh, Rick's isn't exactly right. It's towards the back of his head, and he's got his little bald spot there, which is uh, accurate. Morty, uh, from certain angles, you can definitely see a bit of air between his head and his hair piece. And just by the way, the character is designed it sort of does look a little off and weird uh in 3d but there's nothing too much that could uh really be done about that i'd imagine it's just that 
turning 2D into 3D. Uh, when it comes to the actual sculpts, um, the bodies are fairly basic, so there's nothing too much to comment on there. But uh, the head sculpts are fairly uh, accurate. I think Morty's is the weakest for coming into 3D, but Rick's is actually... Uh, really good. And one thing I liked is he always, uh, well, often has that bit of green vomit coming out of his mouth. And uh, that is actually sculpted on the figure. It's not just painted on there. And he's got this little sort of, uh, it's hard to explain, but sort of a weird mouth uh, <laughs> Uh, sculpt going on here of just a very straight line but his cheeks kind of puckered out which uh, isn't an odd facial expression it's, it is a very classic one for Rick it's kind of hard to describe in an audio format but uh, if you see it you know exactly uh, what it is and it is a very accurate neutral Rick face so I am uh, very happy with that so uh, to sort of roll through here and keep it quick and wrap things up how do i feel about these guys uh, i'm a little on the edge uh they do have some big problems such as morty's hips uh and i i, I don't want to give these guys glowing plays so i'm going to give them uh six dollars out of ten now if i break them up individually i think rick for me is actually more around the eight dollars range whereas morty is around the five uh dolly range um but the problem is uh you're probably not going to buy one without the other i think if you're getting rick you're getting morty it's beaker and bunsen it's doc and marty it's uh, any of those Sam and Max, I don't know where I'm pulling these weirder ones from, uh, but anything like that, Tick and Arthur, uh, you got to have these two uh, together. So I, I imagine most people who would potentially be looking at buying these would be looking at buying them together. And unfortunately, Morty is a bit more of uh, the letdown here of the two uh but that said i have been liking what they have done with the other characters uh we got birdman poopy butthole snowball and it definitely is like the simpsons where it is a growing show and there is many new characters coming in and some great variations on existing characters so uh if this line does continue and we get things such as pickle rick or evil morty and uh even the rest of the family uh, such as Summer and Jerry and that, uh, it, it could be a very cool line. So uh, hopefully this is just a first step. Now Funko Legacy does have a habit of starting off, off on a line and not really finishing, as ones like Game of Thrones can attest to. Uh, but hopefully we have a nice solid line going forward and maybe they can return to characters uh, such as Morty here and do a little bit of a fix up and we can get some better release versions uh down the way but uh hey uh thank you for letting me dust off the rust here and move forward and i'll see you guys soon have a uh, good journey the action figure blues podcast can be found on itunes and stitcher radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigurablues.com wherever you listen please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. 
We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Mox Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at ActionFigureBlues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ActionFigureBlues. Thanks for listening. Uh, But first, we're going to kick off with a a bit of audio that one of our listeners sent in. Uh, This is Peter from Canada, who has done a a review on the show previously, and he has a bit of a collecting story to share with us. Uh, After that, I'll hand over to the reviews and uh, look forward to chatting to you again soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. What am I talking about? It's like I'm finishing the show when I'm introducing the show, and it's like I've never done this before. Wow.